0: The all-new Toyota Highlander is designed to go Highlander. What's go Highlander, you ask? It means amplifying your comfort with available premium leather interior and ventilated seats. And amplifying your groove with an available booming 11-speaker JBL audio system. Or even amplifying your crew with roomy seating for up to eight. Don't just go. Go Highlander in the all-new Toyota Highlander. Toyota, let's go places. JBL is a registered trademark of Harman International Industries Incorporated. Hope everybody is doing their best right now as we're going through this crazy time in our world. I'm Tony Bruski, host of Real Ghost Stories Online. I wanted to invite you and let you know about our other brand new podcast that we just launched. Help kill the time for you. It's called The Dark Side of Wikipedia. It's about true crime and dark history. We dive into some of the strangest, most disturbed minds and experiences from our history and examine their story, their Wikipedia entry, and then discuss the cases, the individuals, and the psychology of the events as we go through each and every story. Some of our first episodes include Ed Gein, The BTK Killer, The New London School Explosion, Amityville Murders, Richard Speck, Amelia Dyer, The General Slocum Disaster, Jeffrey Dahmer, and more. New episodes every single week. Check out Dark Side of Wikipedia. Search it. Subscribe wherever you download podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more It's available now with new episodes every single week Dark Side of Wikipedia Search and subscribe today and stay safe out there Today on Real Ghost Stories Online did the spirit that once haunted a little girl return to haunt the daughter of that now grown little girl and now a mother
1: Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 Or writing at realghoststoriesonline.com You are about to enter the world of the unknown And quite possibly the undead This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
0: That it is, and welcome to our weekend kid-friendly edition of Real Ghost Stories Online. 855-853-4802 is our phone number, or you can write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. If you like the program, keep us on the air, become a supporter of the show. That's what we call an extra podcast person, an EPP as we refer to them. You sign up to do that at ghostpodcast.com or through patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Five bucks a month is all it costs to become an EPP. And with that, you are supporting our show. You're keeping us on the air. Uh, You're allowing us to basically live because this is our job. This is what we do. So if you like the show, please do support it. At uh, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com, you get access to bonus episodes, new ones every single week, advanced episodes of the show, ad-free. Uh, you get our ebook, our audiobook, that right there, a $30 value, and a whole bunch of other extras all there. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories is where you sign up to become an extra podcast person or EPP of the show. Tony and Harper Brewski joining you once again. And how are you this fine day, Harper?
1: I'm doing great, and I'm really excited to get into these stories
0: what uh what strikes you today anything uh, anything interesting in the world of ghosts that you want to discuss anything that you've been pondering since our last episode
1: those floating orbs
0: what about them
1: isn't it just creepy how it would like follow you around mm-hmm. and in like different certain colors even in size mm-hmm that's just creepy.
0: It is, and some people, when they have that happen, a lot of times orbs show up on film uh, or cameras, um, and that's where we we typically see orbs. Um, and it's it's after the fact. It's after the. It's not like as we're sitting here, there's an orb. But there there have been, and this is less common, but it does happen sometimes where people do actually see those things in real life. Uh, outside of just through uh, a picture that was taken or a video that was captured and you go back and look and go, what the heck is that? What do you think would be more scary? Looking back on a video uh, of a situation that you don't feel any, you don't think there's anything creepy going on. It's just like a birthday party or something. And then you look back and there's this orb kind of floating around the room. Or would it be more creepy if you're at that birthday party and you see the orb floating around the room and you're fully aware of it at that moment?
1: I would. That would actually um kind of alarm me, and like, tell tell at least someone about it.
0: Would you tell them if it was ha- so? What, what's more alarming: it happening in person or watching it back on video?
1: Happening, it in person.
0: Yeah, that would certainly stand out. Some folks can only uh, sometimes an individual. It's not visible to everybody in the room. Sometimes it's just a single person that's able to see it because they're sensitive to whatever that is. It's really interesting. There's as, as you learn more about this and as we discuss more and more about uh, all these different things that people encounter and see, you'll discover that there is no, uh, I guess like one size fits all or like one story is, is the same as every other story. There's always these little different caveats to each story where, um, It makes it different. Maybe the same sort of thing happening, but the way and how all of that sometimes change up and it makes it even more. You end up with more questions than answers. Yeah. Which is interesting because as you get into it, you think, are you thinking you're going to figure some stuff out? Are you thinking you're going to have some answers made uh, to your questions about ghosts as you get into this?
1: Well, you'll look it up.
0: Well, it's not a matter of looking up, it's a matter of hearing stories. I'm just asking, as you're starting doing the show, do you feel like you're going to get some answers? No. Really? You don't?
1: Because we're telling the story. Mm -hmm. not Not necessarily um, finding the answers.
0: You're exactly right. We are just telling the story. We're not here to judge the story. We're not here to say this is fake or real. We're here to provide information and and relate more than anything else when someone has a story and they're sharing it with us we're able to go and say you know what you're not alone because i've heard another story similar here's how their story kind of went and it doesn't necessarily answer how or why but it, it it lets you know you're not alone and these things do happen and i think that's one of the most powerful things of what we do
1: and the most funny thing is is that we had some ghostly experiences too As a ghost storyteller.
0: Yeah, and those sometimes can be, if, if it relates to the story, I bring those stories up too sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing what uh, how some some things can be connected. Let's uh, let's jump into our first story here today uh, of the program 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories online to share your real ghost stories with us. Our first story says, "Hello, I hope all is well. I just wanted to start by saying thank you to everyone for keeping me entertained during the lockdown. Tony, Jenny, Carol, Harper. I have so many stories I'd love to tell because I have so many, but I will settle for one of my." favorites, which is very personal to me. Ever since I was little, I was so invested in the supernatural and would try to find a way to communicate with any entities. This story took place when I was little, around four, which I was reminded about recently by my mom, who can recall the story like it was yesterday. When I was little, I had many imaginary friends, but most of them were normal, basic imaginary friends that a kid would have. They ranged from dangerous to puppies, but one stood out more than the rest. As I said, it took place when I was around four and I was uh, it was when my parents were going through a breakup and I was finding it difficult to cope with my parents. Constant arguing and the overwhelming feeling of loneliness. This took place before my sister was born, which will come into play later. My mom was worried about me because I was not socializing with any other kids, but instead sitting in my room and talking to the wall while having a tea party. She asked me who I was talking to, and I said, the old lady. We'd not had any of our old family members die at that time, so my mom was not suspicious that it was a ghost of any sort. As time went on, my conversations got more detailed. My mom learned from me that the woman's name was Angwin, pronounced uh, by my younger self uh, Angwin, and she was around the age of 80. My younger self would often tell my mom that Angwin wants to have dinner with us. She's lonely or Angwin uh, misses her babies and other things along the lines of this old woman being alone and missing her family. My mom was starting to get creeped out as you would if your child could perfectly describe an old woman and what she was saying. It definitely scared her the most when I said to my mom, Angwin is so strong. Look what she can do, which was followed by my coloring pencils rolling off the table and onto the floor. According to my mom, she would find things around the house which were in the wrong places, like toothpaste in her bedroom or my toys and cupboards, which I could not reach. My mom took me to a graveyard with my dad for the first time when my granddad got extremely ill. My four-year-old self had not been told what a graveyard was before because my parents wanted me to be in the right mentally before doing so. But when my mom asked me if I knew what it was, I said, it's Angwin's home. Angwin became normal for my family. They respected the fact that something might be friends with me and that she really might be a trapped ghost. However, when my sister was born, my parents heard less and less of my stories about Angwin. My mom asked me a few months after my sister's birth, where's Angwin? And I replied, she's sleeping now. Ever since then, I did not have another experience with Angwin that I could remember. But I was thinking about her a lot a few days ago before going to bed and I dreamt of her. My dream was at my old house where I lived when I was younger, where I had the most activity with Angwin. I was on a swing, which I loved in my backyard, and everything looked how I remember it looking. I was being pushed on the swing by Angwin. She had white hair and a low bun, a faded purple jumper on, and a light green long skirt with sandals on her feet. It was so surreal to her, and I felt overly emotional. She gave me a hug and told me, you have grown up so much. I'm proud of you. I miss you, baby. I woke up crying and immediately rung my mom to tell her what had happened. My step-uncle lives in the old house now with my step-cousin who's eight. I recently visited to ask about the house. My uncle had not witnessed anything strange or supernatural. But my step-cousin apparently had been seen talking to himself a lot since his parents got a divorce. I went upstairs to ask my cousin what his friend was. He was playing on the console with one controller sat on the bed. I asked who was playing with him, and he replied, It's the nice old lady. I'm not sure if Angwin and my cousin's friend is linked, but I like to think she's with him. What do you guys think Angwin is or was doing hanging out with me when I was younger? Also, do you know why she appeared in my dream? Thank you, and keep up the good work.
1: Well, um... I know I heard another story about a ghost cat getting into someone's dream. Okay. So it is possible that ghosts can link into your mind as you're sleeping.
0: Do you think every ghost can do that? I don't know. Like once you're dead, you have the power to link into someone's dream to give them a message?
1: I think if it's only if they like really don't know or understand where Angwin might have went.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And that was her way of showing her that she's on the other side?
1: Yeah. Do you
0: think Angwin is still hanging out in that house playing with the new kids? Maybe. Her specifically? It's interesting that the child refers to it as uh, the nice old lady.
1: Yeah, which is... As the same person that had um, recent recent experiences at, with England as a kid, mm-hmm. um, told her mom, ain't the nice old lady.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you ever had an imaginary friend, Harper? And, and that doesn't mean that you necessarily saw them, but just pretended that you were playing with someone. No. You've never sat down like and had a tea party and pretended there was other people on the other side of the table?
1: I normally just had tea parties by myself.
0: So you were just, it was like a table for one. There was no pretending there was other people there. (laughs) Yeah. Really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I would do the same sort of thing. I would play. um, I like playing with like, like toy food and stuff when I was a kid. Um, I like a bunch of like rubber food and plastic food and stuff. And I had a kitchen set kind of like you had too when you were a little bit younger. And I would always pretend I was cooking for people, but like, I never like, I never saw them or, or anything like that. It was always just, let's pretend that they're there, even though it was always just me. Um, cause I was an only child too. So it really kind of felt like that. Um, but I never like saw anything or, or, or like really felt, have you ever felt like the child or the writer of the story describes their childhood seeing another person there that uh, is others can't see or that only you can see.
1: Not that I remember.
0: No, no recollection of anything like that? No. You want to hear an interesting story? What? When uh, we were doing this show, when we started doing the show, years ago, when you were a baby, you were like one or two. Uh, me and mom were doing an episode and we were talking about imaginary friends. Much like that last story that we just heard. And uh, we were talking about our imaginary friends as a child, and I was describing what I would consider an imaginary friend. It was one I could not see. I it was really just my conscience, it, it, you know, like it's vo- the conscience is the voice in your head that you know says, "Don't do this, do that." It's your, it's you, it, it, it's you. But sometimes when I was little, I would like almost talk to it, <laughs> like, "You think this is a good idea?" Like, "No, it's not a good idea. Don't do that." Um, and <laughs> I named it Mark. I don't know why I named my conscience Mark, but I did. That was the closest, I guess, I've had to an imaginary friend. Um, but it was really just my conscience, and never saw it, never, never even considered it being a entity or because it wasn't. It, it was really, truly just me. Um, then Mom started talking about her experiences as a child and having an imaginary friend, and she started describing actually seeing the kid. And actually having interactions with this child and no one else, everybody else has kind of played along and we're like, okay, that's great. You go, you know, you go play with your friend, but she can vividly remember seeing the kid, the kid having a very specific way of dressing, having a very specific way of, of speaking. And just as if it was another kid that was in the room hanging out and playing. And she was so little that she didn't really think much of it. It was just kind of like, ooh, friends, you know, like when you're a little bit younger than you are, you know, it's like anybody that's your age suddenly becomes a friend and you're going to play, you know. Um, But this was a really interesting revelation on the show because when she said that, um, she looked at me and she said something to the effect of, so... Everybody doesn't see their imaginary friends. This is like one of her first episodes she was on the show. And I said, no, uh, honey, they they don't. I mean, a lot of times imaginary friends means just that means imaginary. It means you, you, you pretend someone's sitting across from you at the tea party and you just talk to thin air, but you're really not seeing it. But a lot of people actually do have that experience that mom had of actually seeing these people. And it's been an interesting um, uh, journey trying to figure out and trying to identify, well, who was this kid that she was seeing and why was he there? And one of the interesting things that we've uh, come across in research is there was a a very bad uh, tragedy that happened in the early uh, 1900s. It was like 19... 19 teen something. I don't know the exact date uh, off the top of my head, but there was a school and back then there wasn't a lot of regulations uh, when it comes to modern buildings and piping and gas and things like that. And there was a gas leak in a building and the school uh, exploded because it wasn't, it's not like buildings are built today. So we don't really have to worry about this sort of thing happening anymore. Um, But, Um, It was uh, a lot of kids died uh, when that building blew up um, in in, over a hundred years ago. Um, And this kid that she saw was dressed like one of the children of that era. And this was in the 1980s that she's experiencing this. So 80 years after the explosion, she's seeing a kid that does not dress like me or her did at that time or you do today dressed in almost like kind of like Titanic type attire, mm. And that's the only thing that we can think of. I mean, it, there, there's many possible explanations. I mean, it could have been a local farmer boy or something that was from the area that had passed away and he was, uh, you know, just hanging out and playing. But um, it turned out that um, the, the railroad line that moms, you heard her talk about, there was a train that went behind her house when she was a little kid. Um, that that train line um, when uh, after the explosion happened, um, that several of um, the, the children who had passed away, um, they they carried them on that train to go um, to their families and to the the cemeteries and things like that uh, on that very same train line, uh, you know, 80 years prior. So she wonders, and I wonder too, and we've looked at the pictures um, and she, I don't know that she's ever found one specifically that that she said is that kid but there's so many these are black and white kind of blurry photos um she said they they really just feel like right and it looks like that kid could have been in that
1: class okay um, do you think that mom that mom's house might have been built right where the school was
0: no it wasn't it was the school was several uh, quite a ways away oh so we know factually that's not a thing. It, it wasn't built on the grounds of the school or anything like that, but good thinking. It's good to ask these questions. You try and narrow down things and that's where we narrow down. Well, where, where's the connection? Because this, this, this tragedy happened several miles away. It wasn't like just right down the road. It was a good distance away, but that rail line is kind of one of the main connecting points to where the school was. And, and the whole incident Um so it's 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 an interesting thing that, that kind of does connect the dots a little bit. And and it doesn't necessarily need to have to have happened on that very same ground for, you know, a ghost to, to make it some distance. You can go for a walk as a living person. Why can't a ghost go for a walk? Couldn't a ghost go for a walk if they saw some kids they wanted to go play with? That's kind of what you you got to think about.
1: Yeah, but in our last story, um... Uh, the um, old lady ghost mm-hmm. um was trapped in the house. Mm-hmm. So it is possible for ghosts to get trapped.
0: Well, was she trapped or did she choose to be there?
1: That's another question.
0: Because it never really says, and, and the old lady never seems to say, I'm stuck here. She says she misses her family. She misses her kids. But maybe the closest she's found to... Having family or having some semblance of it, but the it,
1: part where they go into the graveyard, mm-hmm. um, the kid said that she's trapped.
0: Well, she—that's that, where she goes back to. Well, so it's almost like she said, "This is that—that that this is her her home or something." Of what she's, how did was it was described some way like that? Yeah. So it makes you wonder. Well, maybe she goes back there. Maybe she returns to where her body is. At night or whatever, whenever whenever she, you know, maybe it's kind of like home base for her. And then, um, or maybe that's just how she described, um, kind of like a human would. If, 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 if the little boy asked her at some point, where do you live? And she goes, I live over there. And she points to the cemetery. Maybe that's just how she was describing it. Because if you were dead and there's a little boy asking you, where do you live? And you know, your body is over there in that cemetery. Wouldn't you say the same thing? Yeah. You're like, I don't live it. Cause you don't live in that house anymore. You don't, you, you like the closest you have to a home would be that cemetery. So it almost makes sense that she maybe even almost kind of jokingly said, I live over there in that cemetery, <laughs> you know, but it's true at, at, at the same point. Like that's where she's based. But I think, I mean, I, I do think there are some cases where ghosts are trapped in very specific areas and they don't know why. And I do think that there's many that are able to free roam. Now, as to why some can and some can't, I have no idea. But I think there are some that can wander around as much as they'd like, and some that seem to be only in certain areas. And that may just be, not that there are really truly physical boundaries on them, something blocking them from getting from one point to another, but it may just be fear. If you realize you're dead and you're a ghost, and you're okay in this one area, and, and you're able to have consciousness and you, you're like, okay, I'm dead. This is a new concept, number one. Um, and then number two, I'm here, but what if I go over there? Is that, am I still going to be here? Or is this, am I going to be taken somewhere else? Or is that going to change everything? And I think out of fear sometimes that keeps people limited to the geographic area that they haunt as ghosts. But you could look at it the same way. That's a very human characteristic. Because humans also quite often stay geographically, not everybody, but many stay in very specific geographic areas. They, they they stay with very specific geographic patterns of places that they go to. And that's mainly it, unless they're going on a vacation or something like that. And there's plenty of people who don't even do that. Um, and, and they just are comfortable in their familiar areas. So it 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 doesn't. Ring, that's surprising to me that you have a ghost that stays in a very specific area, just as many, many living people do as well. Okay. So let's move on to our our next story here. It said, this is only one of the few times I have shared this story as it is not the normal thing to talk to friends or boyfriends about and only my family really know about it. And believe me. I, uh, my name is Hannah Louise. I live in England, and I had a spirit or ghost with me when I was younger. I used to stay at my nan's house a lot at the time, and my mom worked long hours and could not always look after my sister and me, especially in the school holidays. There were three rooms upstairs in my nan's house, a spare room, my nan and granddad's room, and the little room. As my granddad was always away with work, my sister used to sleep in my nan's bedroom with her, and I used to stay in the little room of my own. The little room had two beds, but I always chose to sleep in the bed against the wall. The first time I felt the spirit or ghost was when I was about three years old. So my mom told me, being so young, I don't remember everything that went on or how old I was at the time. The spirit used to come and visit me when I was sleeping. I remember it it was male, not too old, about 30s or 40s. However, I never saw his face, whether it was because I was so young. I don't remember his face or whether he was not a spirit defined enough to have a face, just a shadow. I always remember being able to see this figure, though. Spirit used to come into my room at night and watch over me sleeping. The times I remember, I always woke up, but I would never let the spirit know I was awake. I wouldn't open my eyes. I'd only peek through them to see him, as well as watching over me. The spirit used to lift me up as though he was cuddling me. However, he never held me tight or really close to him. He just used to hold me in his outstretched arms and just look at me. First time it happened, my mom had told me I went downstairs and told my nan what had happened. She and my mom just looked at each other with a knowing look on their face, but they did not tell me I was dreaming or that it did not happen. They knew it did. Being three years old, I wouldn't have had a mind capable of making up such a story. Neither would I have had the knowledge of ghosts or spirits. so I would have, wouldn't have been able to dream it off. This ghost used to visit me frequently when I stayed at my nan's. He'd only come in or come if it were in the, if I were in the little room on my own and in my usual bed. He never came to visit me if my sister was in the room or if I was in the other bed. So I always used to sleep in, the, in that bed. Spirit visited me for about two years until I was about five. Being so young, I do not remember every time he visited me or how long he would hold for me. I have one memory that stands out above anything else. One time that I will always remember. I was at my nan's in the little room lying on the usual bed when he came to visit me. I had my eyes closed so I did not show him I was awake. I was peeking through him. He gently raised me from the bed and held me in front of him looking down at me. About a minute after he picked me up, I could hear my mom coming up the stairs and this interrupted him. So he gently laid me back down on the bed and he disappeared. Not just gone. In one go, but it was almost as if he was spraying himself away, starting from uh, the head working down, every part of him just disappearing. My mom then opened the door and checked on me, and I pretended to be asleep as I should have been. I always remember the spirit coming to visit me, but that is the only memory I have that has stayed in my mind throughout time. The spirit was a kind man. He had no intention to scare me, neither did he have any bad intentions. I was never scared of the spirit, even at a young age where I did not know who or what it was that would come and lift me up and stand by my bed. I never feared it or questioned what it was. As time went on, the spirit visiting me would become less frequent, and then when I was about five, it stopped altogether. He did not visit me anymore. He seemed gone. As I got older, I'd bring the spirit up in conversation. My mom told me that the spirit was real, that it was not just me that knew he was there. My mom grew up in that house along with her brother and sister, and she told me that all they all felt a presence in the house. However, they never really had an experience with it. She told me that things would always go missing and then turn up in random places months later, and that pictures would fall off the walls spontaneously. The spirit, for some reason, did not like my uncle. My uncle came home one day to find everything in his room upside down. No one had been in the room or touched anything, and everyone knew that the spirit had done it. My mom only told me this recently, but my uncle had an experience of being raised from his bed, not held like I was, but just raised. However, none of my family took much notice of him as he was drunk when it happened and they thought it might have just been him imagining it. However, now they believe him because it happened to me. My nan also used to feel the spirit. She used to feel it sitting on her bed. She had felt a weight on her mattress and it compressed down. I only found this information out years after I had my experience and as I got older when I found, when I would understand it. I know the spirit was real. I was not the only one that saw or felt it. My nan and mom say they think the spirit saw something in me. What I saw, I do not know. The spirit never went to my sister. Neither did my sister ever feel its presence. It was just me. They also believe I laid the spirit to rest. That's why it disappeared. It had finished with with being a spirit on earth. I'm immensely proud of this experience. I'm awfully glad I still have a memory of it happening rather than being told by my family that I had a spirit. I feel lucky to have had this experience as not many people have experienced anything like I have, which makes me feel privileged to have had it it happen to me. It's a memory I'll always carry and treasure. Even if people do not believe me or speculate that it's not the truth, I know what happened. So does my family, which is all that matters.
1: Okay, so... Not knowing what or who it was, mm-hmm. but we know it was a man mm-hmm. um, that did that. But but my question is, what did the ghost man see inside of him?
0: What do you mean by that?
1: By like not going to his sister, or like just going to him or his uncle. Mm-hmm. Or his aunt.
0: What did the spirit see in going to the child rather than going to the other people? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. You know, my my guess on this would be either the children reminded him of his children when they were younger, and that's a very special time. Yeah. Uh, or... Uh, Or maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a grandfather or great grandfather or, or something of that nature. Someone in the bloodline, someone who is related, that has passed away and was never alive to see this, for example, great great grandchild or whatever it may be in in real life. And they're seeing the child. And if you were alive and you're the great grandfather and you see your great grandbaby, you'd want to pick it up. You'd want to hold it and And not want to scare it, you just want to show it love and affection and 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 have some bonding moments. And to me, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like the spirit was trying to bond and have a moment with the child uh, while they were little, while that the ghost knew that maybe the they could sense it, but not scare it. Um, and, and just kind of have that friendly moment of of love between family members. Um, that that would be my guess. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I would go and check on you and pick you up and hold you and, you know, give you a kiss and love you and just, you know, keep you calm and you loved it and you would, you know, smile. And it was just, it's, it's a bonding thing that you do with your kids. Um, and if I could still pick you up, I would, but, (laughs) but, uh, but it's, it's one of those things and I'm sure I will do it with your children too someday. So the way it sounds to me is that it is that. It's either someone where it's a family member that's doing that or just someone who, who really is in that location, is either trapped in that location, just likes that location, whatever, saw the kid, and, and it reminds that individual of their own children and those moments, and they're kind of... I think there's a lot of as spirits, as ghosts, you're trying to grasp back to moments of life that were very special to you, that were very meaningful and those are very special, meaningful moments when you're holding your child or, or your grandchild never experienced that yet, obviously. Uh, and, and hopefully that's a far ways down the road for you. Uh, but uh, at some point you, you just, you know, you, you love those moments and those memories. And if you're able to recreate that as a spirit, I think you would. Um, the same thing can be happened to a bad ghost though. Bad ghost sometimes, do recreate some of the, the bad things and the trauma that they inflicted on the living uh, in as, as spirits. But in this story, in this case, it sounds completely like just loving and um, just there, just checking up. Yeah. And being a, uh, like a, a parental, uh, a parental type figure. So thank you for sharing that story and experience with us. We, Greatly appreciate it. Our phone number here is 855-853-4802 if you want to share a ghost story with us or you can write it on the website, Real Ghost Stories Online. We would love to hear it. Uh, every single Saturday is when we do the kid friendly version of real ghost stories online. So you can make note of that. That's where it comes up on the feed. If you're an EPP and extra podcast person, you get to hear them before they're released during the week, all commercial free as well. So be sure if you like the show and you want to keep us on the air, support it, become an extra podcast person at ghostpodcast.com or through patreon.com slash real ghost stories. That's going to wrap up today's episode. Until next time, for Harper, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.
1: Behind every company, there's a time-tested engine keeping it moving. After earning his master's in accounting degree online from Grand Canyon University, Isaac's helping drive his client's business forward by identifying efficiencies and building business models. He's become a core team member, keeping clients on budget and ensuring their success. What do you think accounting careers look like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.